Hi, everyone. This is Chris. Thanks for listening. If you like our content, be sure to check out our website at flashfantasypodcast.com. Now, without further ado, here's the Rift Walkers. As the party moved outside of Threshold, working its way into the first vestiges of the Kin lands, they came across a battlefield littered with the scars of war. Devising a plan to sneak through as humans, they donned their disguises and moved into the camp, where they were confronted by one Colonel Stranga. Now, having been conscripted under the Colonel's direct command, the party follows him and a small contingent of other guards and soldiers through the workings of the camp to the front lines. You're still in the very back part of the camp, but you're making your way through, and all these soldiers that have been doing drills or polishing weapons and armor, they have all moved north. They are out of sight, and as you come actually to the crest of a hill, you see just this no-man's land filled with trenches and palisades and craters and fire stretching on for as far as you can see which is actually not very far because half this battlefield is just obstructed by this acrid smoke that stings your throat and nostrils you have just a moment to yourselves before the colonel will stop and address you so anything you need to get out of the way Okay, Mick is going to make his way towards Val. And I say, oh, Valley, um, now I, I might be alone in this, but um, I'm not really a fighter, are you? Uh, no, I, I am pretty much um, exclusively, you know, and he like wiggles his fingers <laughs> as if to indicate magic uh, without saying the word intent because that seems like a dangerous thing to say in this current situation um <laughs> yeah uh, we'll, we'll assume you're keeping your voices a little low yeah <laughs> very faintly behind you here leodots um kind of you know his hands on his waist taking a deep breath in through his nose just really sucking in the acrid smoke oh, it's been too long <laughs> much too long yes battle did we move straight into like a formation or would there be time for me to snag some of this army's studded leather armor? Are you still sans armor? Yes. Is it studded? Well, I want studded leather armor. <laughs> They're from like Seattle in the 90s. I don't know. <laughs> black. It's got to be black though. Yeah. <laughs> Make those studs like spikes. <laughs> That's what I thought. Among all the commotion no but there might be a possibility within the near future for now as the colonel turns to your small group 
Who was it that was in the officer's disguise? Was that a Fron? No, I believe that was, that was Reese. Rolandier. Rolandier. The Reese that we knew was dead. <laughs> yes. This is exactly. Rolandier the White. <laughs> Don't be scared, child. I'm sorry. The old Reese can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> Why? Because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so Rolandier then is in the garb that signifies a higher rank. Not as high as the colonel, but high enough to be in a command of at least your small squad here. And he turns to you and he says, Unfortunately, you are now under my direct command. But I do have a most important mission for you to complete. I dare say the sake of the entire front depends on your success. You see, Sergeant, Eight miles northeast of here, cut off from our lines, is a proper fortress of trenches and encampments held by one Captain Mulgrave from the Bastion 6th Battalion. His commanding officer, Lieutenant Colonel Nix, was shot through the neck with a crossbow bolt just this morning on his way back to the captain, who now unwittingly finds himself in charge of nearly 1,000 soldiers. Now, don't get me wrong, he's a damn fine commander, and will lead those men to any fate... However, he's been given a strict no-move order until the lieutenant colonel was to return. That's not going to happen anymore. And we don't have time to organize anything more elaborate than this. At sundown, we're making a massive push against the kin. Hopefully, enough to stall their offensive. Captain Mulgrave's battalion is essential in that attack, as he'll be able to break the kin's flanks. He, at that moment, then reaches into his... You know, underneath his armor and through a few pockets and pouches and pulls out a sealed missive with an insignia stamped upon it that matches one that he wears upon his armor. And he hands it to Rolandier. And he continues, Get that to Mulgrave. Be as quick as you can, but don't take unnecessary risks. If you fail, we all fail. You can follow the trenches east until the foothills at which point you should be able to find a route through the forests still clinging to the sides of the mountains. I pray to the ten you'll find a suitable pass. Otherwise, there's nothing but scorched earth and an army of kin between you and the captain. That will be all. You're dismissed. Berlandir takes the letter, he tucks it in his side satchel, offers a crisp salute, and then turns back to the group. The colonel returns the salute, and then with his little guard group, moves continually down into the trenches. Now the eight of you are just left alone, standing at the precipice of this hill, trenches on either side of you, the chaotic front line a few miles ahead. Turning back to the group, Rolander kind of takes a quick check back across the battlefield and then looks back towards them. Now, this obviously gives us an excuse to move throughout the front lines and have some direct order behind that. I do not know, however, whether or not this is actually the direction we need to be going. And he kind of looks between Saren and Val because Saren knows like the area and the battlefields and No, speaking of Saren, he's he's got his arms crossed, one hand's just like thumbing at his lips and he's like this could be very good in fact. You see, we need to move north. We need to get through the kin lines. And if we're able to get around them to this Mulgrave or whatever this captain's name was, to his fortress encampment, that might be our avenue. However, 
after the attack orders given, we would just press on north and, uh, I guess, adopt new disguises at that point. What say you? And he, uh, kind of just motions to the group. Well, I don't know why we need to go all the way. Isn't this fortress surrounded? Why don't we just make our way towards the Kinlines? Quick, uh, bibbidi-bobbidi-doo from our little friend over here. Nice heavy thwop on, uh, Val's shoulders. Um... Val gets the wind knocked out of him a bit. <laughs> and then we're, then we're on our way. I don't share what the issue is. Well, why even go through carry these orders? That's no big deal. It's, they're going to be fine. Kelnius looks at Leirotes and she's like, really? Because if if we go across that, and she just points northward to this, you know, burning plain in front of you, we're dead. What, well, you've never been on a battlefield before? That's easy. Just go in there. Look like you mean something. Five times out of ten, they're just gonna piss themselves and walk away. Huh, what an interesting scene. You could have just said <laughs> Vanatov too. Lerotz, I appreciate your uh, bravery. However, in this case, I think it would be best to follow Saren's advice. If we can make it to Mulgrave, uh, I think that would be our best shot at all of us passing through to the Kinlands alive. And Leirotz, if you want to stay here in battle, be my guest. But I'm going to follow this route. Well, I can see that uh, the group has decided on a more circuitous route. After hearing, you know, the many different sides of this argument, but with the general consensus being to carry out the orders, Rolandir takes one more look at the battlefield and readies himself and just says, well... If anyone else needs to do anything before we head out, I suggest we take care of that quickly. We need to finish this before sundown. I agree with Rolandir. I have no business here. I say we should make haste to the east. The faster we get out of here, the better. Why don't you give me just a moment? I think this could be uh, beneficial to me. And then Lyrian goes off in search of some armor. So it takes you about 20 minutes to backtrack and then get back to where your group is, but you are able to secure a piece of studded leather armor for yourself. Yes. <laughs> the good stuff. Yay, finally. So as Rolandir then leads you down into the trenches and along going east, you pass fortification after fortification, soldier after soldier, some of them looking much worse for wear than others. The general feel of this battle so far seems to be not in the human's favor. And as you reach the end of these eastern fortifications, you're in a spot in these trenches where there's enough space for your group to huddle up and speak, but there's also a clear path out of the trenches eastward into hills and whatnot where we'll get to in a moment. However, once you reach this point, Kalnies actually speaks up and she gathers the group. I don't have a say in this war. Never have. Mazkin, never have. And then she shifts her gaze to Lerotz and Val, and she says, but I'm kin, and so are you, and so are you. And if we do this, thousands of kin will perish. And I don't know if I can be responsible for that. I don't know what's happened in the last 800 years. Quite a lot, obviously, remembering the dung buildings. But I'd say this. If these kin are so stupid 
I should get themselves killed by a bunch of barbarians. That's their own damn fault. All right, so it's simple. We burn those orders, tell him to go on a full frontal attack, and move on. Problem solved. Saren actually speaks up before anyone else can, and he's most notably looking between Ifran and Rolandir, and he's like, no, 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 now if, if we do that, and even worse, if we do nothing, then thousands of humans will die. You heard the colonel. If this attack fails, then everything fails. The kid might break the front. I know some of you are unaware of this world's history, but centuries ago there was an event, right? And it was called the Sacking of Threshold. The entire city was plundered, nearly razed to the ground. It, it, it took another generation to build it back up to where it was, and decades afterward to make the walls of Threshold what they are now. I, for one, will not let our actions dictate its fall. And at this point, Rolander kind of walks between the uh, very angered Saren and Lerotz. And he says, I understand that this is a matter of high priority for both of you. I think we need to remember, however, that our goal and our actions are not just between, as terrible as it may sound, a few thousand kin or a few thousand humans. This is truly for the survival of this world. And kind of glancing between the two of them. Now, as perhaps overdramatic as that may sound, it is true. And I, for one, don't wish to truly decide to favor either one side. I think that the dealings of either army can go as they will. So, if we have a plan, and we think it's feasible to get through without any meddling in this war, I would choose that. However, as has been spoken, we would potentially not even make it through the lines if we do not have the distraction of this human assault on the kin. Alright, well, note, I might have an idea that could solve this problem. Why don't we read the letter? If it really just says, attack, let's be frank, they're not idiots as much as they appear to be, and uh, generally are. I'd like to believe that these humans would understand if there's a giant attack that they should do attack. And independent of what I do, or what any of us kin do, they will do so. So instead of forcing them to, let's read the letter. If there's some strange magic, corruption, horrific thing going on, we'll stop that, you know, no need to cause undue suffering. But let's be honest, if a couple of thousand humans die, it takes like two years for them to come back. We have a saying with the kin, the only thing that breeds faster than a rabbit is a human! <laughs> but, but, but seriously, why, why don't we just read the letter? Rolander kind of looks over at Val and he says, do you think you could replicate this seal perhaps any any way with either magic or intent if we were to break it? I, I should think so. Um... Possibly. You're telling me that you can bind together an all-powerful god-killer that you can't fit a piece of wax on top of a paper? I can do exactly that. And do you remember, Lerotz, when I spoke to you and I said, if you called the humans barbarians one more time, I would expose you? Yeah, I guess you could do that. That would be... I did call them barbarians. First, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to do it because in this moment it would endanger all of us, but do not think that I miss a single word that comes out of your mouth. No, no, please. I do not think there is any need for such hostility. Regardless of what is written on the paper, I am afraid that thousands of lives, whether they be kin or human, will be lost anyway. This war will not end today. The thousands of humans or thousands of kin 
If they do not die today, they will die tomorrow, the next day. However, I myself am a human, and I find myself inclined to take these orders to Morgrave. So, if there are those who do not approve of this mission, I understand, and you do not need to accompany me to see its completion. If it is that much of a point of contention amongst everybody here, I can go and take it myself and catch up with everybody on the far side of the fortress. It is of no contention to me. I tend to agree that we should deliver it. Reese mentioned not meddling in the affairs of the humans and the kin. I have no allegiance to either side, but as we are the ones that have been commanded to do to deliver this message, I fear that we've already meddled farther than we intended. If it wasn't for us, somebody, someone else would have been given the assignment to deliver this message. Well then, I don't see the harm in at least trying to open it and see what it says. Hmm? I can fix the seal. Yes. Here, let me see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so very well. And Rolandir hands the sealed letter to Lyrian. And Lyrian opens it. So, breaking the wax seal and opening the missive, it's plain to see that it's a collection of different battle tactics, times, troop formations, armament information, and so forth, that coincide with a much larger offensive that will be taking place this evening. It's a very detailed plan. It doesn't seem to have anything insidious, as Leirotz was making conjecture on, magic-related or otherwise, but... Regardless, it does seem to be a foolproof plan for a human victory. Lyrian closes the, the letter and looks to Val. Will you reseal it? I will cast Mending on the seal. Wait, Lyrian, this was my proposal to do that in the end. Can't you just whisper in my ear what the plans are? I will consult with Reese and Mick, and if they feel it is wise to share, then we shall do it. And Kelnius actually speaks up and she's like, now, no, 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 wait just a moment. This one here, and she points to Relandir, is more or less one of us now. So if you're trying to really remain neutral, Alf, if that's what you are, as you say, then he stays behind. Just you and Mick. Fine. After Kelnius says this, Relander walks up to Lyrian and just says, it is true, what she says. As a matter of fact, I find myself, hour by hour, losing touch, even more so than I had before with things of the old world. I do not think it would be at all impartial for me to join this. I, I think it should just be you and Mick. With that, Lyrian and Mick go aside for a few minutes, leaving the group to their silent musings. Once they return... The missive nowhere in sight. Lyrian just gives the group a simple nod, and everyone then sets off on their way. We set off on our way. All right. Moving east, out of the trenches, the foothills before you are marred with scorches and burns. Large bundles of broken palisades make it hard to move quickly or discreetly, and it takes you a considerable amount of time to pass safely through them. These foothills go on for a couple miles before rising into proper mountains that seem truly impassable. And before those peaks disappear into fog and clouds, 
you can make out in the distance, far, far to the north, the mountains that eventually become what's known as the Crown of Egadon, the largest peaks in the central fell. Working alongside now these slopes, you feel a brisk chill filter through the tall pines that line where you walk along. It would be simple enough to stay undetected now, working through thick woods and rocky passes, granted no one is already waiting for you. It's been just a little over an hour and a half now since leaving the trenches. We're only supposed to get there at like nightfall, right? Yes, which is in like six, eight hours. So we're just going to be kind of slowly making our way across this landscape until then, presumably? Yeah. Okay. You have until nightfall, and you have eight miles north to travel, of which you've made maybe a a quarter mile, because you've had to travel east so far. As Lirotz scans the area around him, does he see anything that would kind of tick his soldier mind as indicating danger? As you move along, going through these pines, you don't see anything on their trunks or at their bases that would indicate traps or footprints or whatnot. But the further you go along and the closer you hug the mountainsides, there are these slot canyons that sort of work their way through the rocky structures, making up the bases of these massive peaks. And it's in these canyons and tiny valleys and passes that eventually you will have to go through to continue north that would cause you to worry, as they're perfect points for an ambush. In that case, uh, Lerotz is actually going to put his... He's going to kind of... He has his glaive strung across his back, obviously, but he's going to take out his shield and longsword, and he's going to kind of nudge his way past people. It's probably fairly uh, narrow. Up to Rolander, who I believe is probably guiding the group, or Saren, and just say, Life's looking uh, dangerous up front. I can uh, not scout ahead, but provide a good target if we want to move carefully. These canyons, eh? Now, I don't know, but if I were going to attack someone, that is where I would do it. And Rolandier just kind of taking a cursory glance forward, observing the, the vantage points, turns and nods back to uh, Lerotz. Yes, it would seem that that would be an opportune spot for them to attack us, but uh, we, we haven't seen anyone here. We have no reason to think that they're hiding to ambush us, and I don't. And he look turns behind him, and I'm assuming like they haven't passed either any humans either, have they? No, you haven't passed anyone but corpses, and it doesn't seem that they have any reason to be defending against anyone. But I'm not sure. I, I'm I, all I'm saying is, if we are going to be continuing up this mountain, this path here, in a possibly dangerous area. Uh, it's best we not stick the pin cushions up front you now, so someone they can take a hit. Not to insult anyone, but that Val lad and uh, Mick look like they can take about uh, one hit before deciding to take a quick nap to walk it off. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Lerots. Why don't you go? And he kind of points to a spot about like five to ten feet in front of the entire group. And he says, "You make a very, very good point. <laughs> I think that you should be our point man, especially as we go through that. I think your keen eye, your sense for battle, and of course, and he kind of just gestures to his body, like your, your ability to, I'm sure you can take a hit quite well. You'll be a perfect frontman for us. 
Duh, darn right you are. There's no way we'll avoid an ambush in a place like this. I'll draw that attention away, don't you worry. I'll take my place here. And he actually goes beyond like 10, 15 feet. He goes about 10 <laughs> meters in front. <laughs> and you just hear him start singing very loudly as he walks. Like he's got his sword ready and his shield ready and he's ready to go. But he is his boisterous voice as he starts singing is probably covering a decent chunk of the sound coming from the group. Is behind. it is it more of like a marching cadence that he has for himself? Oh no, it's a very very lewd song about a wench in a bar. <laughs> oh my gosh! Definitely nothing that I personally would ever say, but Lerotz is from a different generation. <laughs> oh my, my gosh. goodness! Um, Can I summon the Archbishop and send her ahead to scout? You, yes, absolutely. You may. Yeah, that's Such a better idea. Brilliant. I, I do have to ask, though, with Lairote singing, this is probably a kinlish song, no? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he's straight up singing loud and kinlish as yeah, you're it's, walking. Yeah, but he's singing in his way, so he's like, you know, <laughs> I would like the archbishop to peck him on the head. <laughs> so it's very loud, and even someone who was trying to speak kinlish would have difficulty like it's just kind of sounds jarbled <laughs> regardless of the language it's unintelligible yes even so you do feel a, a a quick peck on your head as the archbishop swoops by you and then forward flying upward oh what a beautiful bird true beauty indeed i need to get myself one of those the only proof of the and true. So that's, that's um, basically what's happening. <laughs> oh my God. Can Val message LaRotes and just say, shut up? I feel like you may, but honestly, at this point, there's probably so much sound reverberating in that hollow skull of his <laughs> that it just becomes part of the lyrics. That's yes, <laughs> the middle of there. Green Dragon, shut up! <laughs> well i have done my best uh d- did not work oh dear carrying on like this for a good another half hour or so the forest begins to give way as you continue to climb an elevation and this mountain pass becomes a little more treacherous the ground is littered with bits and pieces of rock and shale that have just crumbled off the sides of these cliffs that surround you now. So it is difficult terrain for all intents and purposes, and it takes you a little more time to move safely through. I wouldn't say that there's any sort of semblance of snow up here, but it's definitely colder. As they're walking, kind of keeping an eye on Lerotz, who is still belting to his heart's content, and coming. Have we, we haven't passed through this potential ambush zone, correct? You're in the thick of it right now. And, of course, keeping his eye out, um, Rolander does a quick but thorough glance around himself. Does he see any other potential giveaways that there could be enemies lying in wait? Why don't you roll a perception for me? And then, Laurel, could you answer a question? Yeah, go for it. How long does your seeming last? Eight hours. Okay, good to know. Eighteen on Rolander's perception. Great. And then, Laurel, could you roll perception as well if you want to take a look with the Archbishop? I would love to do so. Am I using my perception or am I using owl perception? Owlception. What's owl perception? I rolled a three, so it doesn't matter what owl perception is. (laughs) She super doesn't see anything. (laughs) You super don't. (laughs) Did Rolander's 18 spot anything? 
I hope so. <laughs> it didn't, actually. This pass, like I said, is treacherous. And where you're currently heading, it appears to narrow. You actually make it through there, moving cautiously, without any incident. But once it begins to widen once more, you can no longer see the battlefield to the west. It's just a cliff that rises up a few hundred feet and then falls off. Whereas on your right to the east, it melds into the mountainside and continues going up into the fog and clouds high, high above you. The path ahead of you now actually seems to descend. But forks left and right, slightly from north. Upon arriving at the fork, uh, Lidot's one goes quiet, and two waits for the group to catch up so they can kind of discuss their plan here. Once everyone has grouped up, Kelnias, just in the back, kind of under her breath to herself, says, Oh, what's that? No more ringing in my ears. Strange. Meh, no need for that. It worked, didn't it? Oh, perfect. Ambush territory. And from what I can see, we're all still alive. So, if something works, it ain't stupid. Anyway, we're doing left or right. I can't remember where we were going. Merlander just turns to Val and Captain Kilnaeus and is like, well, obviously I have no experience in Kinlands, and also throwing Saren into the path of his gaze. Which way? Kelnius just throws up her hands and she's like, I have no idea. I've never been here before in my life. Did that uh, sort of fancy gentleman who spoke to you before tell you uh, the way to this fort, or did he just expect that you knew it? Shaking his head, Rolander just admittedly says, no, he only specified north and east. I imagine most other soldiers who've been here a while wouldn't know where this other encampment is, but... I do not. Saren speaks up at that point and he says, Well, honestly, all he said was find a way through the pass, find a way through the mountains, something that I can't quite remember now. At this point, can you tell me what kind of direction? Are we like northeast of where we are? Yeah, you've moved east and now you're north. So you are northeast of where you started. And you've been walking for around... Maybe just over three hours now. Alrighty. Uh, let me double check something here with Lyrian, because I'm pretty sure that he can't get lost except for by magical means when he's in his favorite terrain. Yeah, check on that, because if you can't get lost, sure, but at the same time, you don't know where you're going, so... I was just thinking in the sense that I would know that we were heading in the right direction. Yeah, kind of orientation. Yeah. That's actually, you don't have to look anything up. That's plain to know, I think, for everyone, and Lyrian especially. But in moving forward, taking the left or right fork, you don't have any further information. Mick wants to look at the ground and wants to see if there's any perceivable difference or tread marks or more worn paths comparable to the other. Roll a nature check for me, Chris. Yeah. Okay, one second. Oh, that was bad. Six. (laughs) (laughs) As you're stomping over the entrances to the two pathways, whatever tracks or trails may have been there 
are being obscured by your footsteps and your shuffling of <laughs> slate and rock and dirt. And as you return to the group and just shrug, everyone's faces are kind of just looking in <laughs> horror at your handiwork. <laughs> um, Oops. Did you know this is favored terrain? <laughs> no. <laughs> Rolandier shaking the shock off of his face from Mick's blatant disregard for any sort of tracking where footprints were just kind of points to the right-hand path. I personally am partial to the right. Well, I trust you right on there. And with a nice, you know, hop and a two-step, kind of getting his getting his vibe going. Is it still looking ambushy up front? This part, not so much, just because you will have to go whatever path you choose, single file. Okay, in that case, he does go a bit in front to provide, like, a target and distraction so something happened, but he's not singing at the top of his lungs. As they go down, I don't care where Rolandier is necessarily, but he's going to be either in front of or behind Val. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Calneus is going to take up the very back, and she actually has her long knives drawn. Mick is going to draw his dagger because I notice what Calneus is doing. Also, Lerot is constantly looking around at things that, you know, he's not just kind of like whistling and tootling along. He was paying attention. Saren saunters to the front of the group right by Rolandir and says, Well then, to the right. And looking for any last little signs of questioning which way they should go. Probably not seeing any. And not really looking too carefully. Rolandir just turns. <laughs> yes, very well then. And he takes his place in the row and starts walking. Lerotz takes the lead with Saren just behind. Rolandir is then behind Saren with... Val, then coming up, followed by Lyrian, Efron, Mick, and lastly, Captain Kelnies. It takes a good 30 to 45 minutes to work your way through this narrower passage. It curves and winds, sometimes descending, sometimes ascending. A fierce wind constantly howling through and battering against you with strong buffets of cold as you finally make your way outside of this passage you did all notice that the last bit started to steadily incline and when you emerge you seem to be in a clearing of sorts to your immediate right are mountains covered in snow very sparse vegetation to your left is a slope that slowly builds maybe about 10 feet and then starts falling downward the sides where you can see a layer of fog and the battlefield possibly far below that. In front of you now is a simple, like I said, clearing, maybe 40 to 50 feet radius. And near the terminal end of it, this long ovular shape, are a collection of three statues, very stout, very old, covered in a thick layer of frost and strange runes just beneath them. Mick wants to actually examine these. I want to do something after that, but I want to go towards the statues first. Their forms seem humanoid, but like I said, they're very stout and they also seem to be greatly exaggerated in their physical features. So do I see anything, or can I read the runes if I go near them? 
what languages does Mick understand then? Mick understands common, elvish, dwarvish, goblin, fellish, kinlish, tailish. Holy smokes. I mean, if you count everything that the Wanderer hmm. did, she knows a little bit of everything. That's true. This seems familiar. Words seem off, but you can't pinpoint in your mind what it is because you've, other than the strange imbuance of knowledge that the Wanderer gave you so long ago, you've never encountered this language. Lerotz would like to approach it. He is apparently 800 years old. And he's going to try to remember if he can remember anything from his time there. Maybe some people putting up some statues on the side of a mountain. Maybe this meant something to the kin. Not quite sure. Some ancient runes. So he's going to he's going to give it a once over. Roll a history check for me, Ammon. Oh, thank goodness. Hey, nice. It's one of like two skills I'm actually proficient in. Oh, really? Well, he was super old. Who knew Lerotz was a history buff? 24. Though you cannot read it. You recognize it as a very, very old version of Orvale, which is the Sanguine language. All right. He just turns around, looks over his shoulders. Melheim, can't make it at myself. It looks like something from those Sanguine people. Hearing that, Rolander kind of pushes his way closer to the front, and he just kind of is thinking in his head, I wonder, and he gets closer to it. Can he understand anything from it? Not only can you understand the runes perfectly, but as you approach, they seem to glow a dull red the closer you get. Ah. <laughs> as they do this, he turns around, kind of this uh, sly grin on his face. Well, I didn't think it would actually come that quickly, but apparently it has. One of the gifts that I was granted by Sindur was a native like ability with the sanguine language and turning towards them what do they say so the runes themselves seem to be old and marred however etched over them is bits of ur veil that are more modern and just over and over and over in different dialects and sanguine tongues is the same warning again and again and again, and it's telling you to fear the blood. What does it say, Rilandia? Why <laughs> <laughs> you emphasizing the deer in that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Mick is learning who this guy is. I think I'm going to call him deer from now on. He turns back towards them after glancing once more at the inscriptions and just says, they are giving a warning repeatedly saying, fear the blood. Not quite sure what to make of that, but it does seem rather ominous. As Reese speaks those words aloud, and at the end of his sentence, there is a voice that booms down the mountainside, and it says, fear the blood indeed. And then there's a sizable earthquake as snow and rock and ice tumbles down all around you.